Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by 444.com. I am Ryan Noonan, joining me as always, fellow 444.com writer, Connor Allen. Connor, how was week 11, man? Uh, I mean, it was pretty good. Um, nothing, you know, nothing super notable from what from what I remember here. But um, I think that, you know, we had, we had a few good bets we talked about on the show. But other otherwise, you know, nothing too crazy. How about you? Pretty good week. Um, I mean, I... Actually, you know what? Daigle left us, so it was not a good week. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> it was uh, I, I saving grace. I my uh, I write up a bunch of totals here for four for four every week, and the last I don't know five six weeks, I made it a thing where I'm just gonna I'm gonna run a parlay with my totals because it happens. I have weeks where they clean the slate, and I had my third one of the, the last uh, couple months, so that helped save the day last week. My totals parlay hit, but uh, on week twelve. As Connor mentioned, we, uh, you know, good news, bad news, good news. Our guest this week is, uh, you know, about a, a good of a friend of the show as you can have, our dear friend from Rotor World, returning guest we had on early this season, John Daigle. Daigle, my friend, welcome back to the show. The first returning guest of the year, correct? It's true. Yes. Um, I'm sorry. Well, well, technically, it depends on when we dial the year back to because we, we Silva oh. did the draft pod with us. And then yeah. Silva did an episode. We also had two Kanish shows. We did. We had two Kanish shows. Uncle K. No, since week one. Don't count those. <laughs> okay. So week one, you were the first returning. Let me let me feel honored. You week are the one. first. I'm just trying to bring you back down because as we talked about on the live stream, um, you know, we had you locally for a number of months. You shacked up with Silva. And, uh, you know, the truth be told to the listeners of the podcast – you know, Connor and I basically were running everything off of Daigle and Silva. And, uh, you know, we can't really take all the credits. This is our little uh, internal betting syndicates that we bounce lots of stuff off of. And, you know, Daigle has left us. He's a snowbird. He is going down into uh, Texas to warm up for a couple of months. And then we will shame him into returning back to um, our local Sands slash Nads domain where we can all do this together every weekend. I, I've already played uh, winter golf in Texas. It's like 40 Damn degrees it. there. It's not winter. So that's gotten better, I will admit. Also, there is a there is woman cooking here. I still cook clearly because <laughs> it's my passion. I love it. But there is a woman like cooking, and then like there's coffee made when I wake up, even at like 5 in the morning. And I don't understand what's going on because when I wake up at 5 in the morning at the Silva's house, clearly <laughs> there's nothing done. Like I'm cleaning the dishes. I'm doing everything else. So – that's been a little misconstrued here. Otherwise, though, I miss my roommate and friend in life. I really do. Uh, I miss his daughter. And I'll be back. Y'all know I'll, I'll be back in February. Don't get me wrong. Y'all know yes. I'll be there. Nice. All right. That's Cannot good. Wait. Yeah, we're After the winter. I'm not a, we know I lived in L.A. in Santa Monica. I'm not a winter person. I avoid it. I'm not coming back during winter. Yeah, people don't know this about Daigle. Daigle is the um, you know low-key – the most interesting man in the world in the DFS <laughs> fantasy space. Um, you know, the stories and life experiences that this man has had, it's always very entertaining. So um, he also Welcome. is incredibly sharp. You know, I've, I've said this to Connor. I haven't even said it to Daigle. Like I pretty much, you know, there's not a lot of other stuff I try to, that I consume on a weekly ba- basis, but I, I take in a lot of Daigle content throughout the week because I think it's, uh, 
it makes me sharper. So, you know, I can get the sans leans before we throw it in the chat because I know where you're leaning because I listen I, to you a little bit. This is why I actually feel bad for this show for you, not for anyone else, but for you, because you text me midweekly sometimes with my takes. And you're like, Daigle, <laughs> this line is better at this book if you want it because you listen to the Rotor World pod. You're like, True. oh, so like the things I say on this show this week – because it's a short week, right? We've only had 72 hours of research for Sunday. Um, it's probably going to be the same things you've already heard. So I'm sorry, Noonan. I it's love right. you to death, but I am sorry. I'm probably going to say the same things here. Uh, that's what I was telling Connor earlier. I feel pretty good about this week. I have some you know, some thoughts. You feel good. like they've been hashed out. Let's bounce um, it off. I, I don't even care if people disagree, but we got to bounce it off one another. We got to get yep. something going here. That's how this works. This is great. So um, we want to let you know we have also – uh, increase the ways you can consume Move the Line this year. Still in podcast form. We'd love it if you could rate and review the pod wherever you're listening. Uh, if you'd like to watch How the Sausage Gets Made, we're streaming the show now weekly, live on 444's Periscope. You can also find the show on our Twitch and YouTube pages as well. Links available in our show notes. We also want to talk a little bit real quick about our friends over at Underdog. So, yes, someone does sponsor this show. Uh, we all love snake drafts. We all love big prizes. We do not all love big entry fees, or a multi-week contest. So Underdog just released an all-new format for their snake drafts. It's called Battle Royale. In Battle Royale, you draft a one-week team like you normally would, but instead of only competing against other teams in your specific draft, you compete for teams from other drafts. So uh, this way they pull together the prizes. You can win big tournament-style payouts while keeping the snake draft format. Uh, Uh, So go over, check out the app. If you haven't, let them know you're coming from 4 for 4 when you sign up. I'm not just saying this because I'm an angel investor and underdog. Shout out to me. I'm saying this <laughs> because I genuinely enjoy battle royals. Like if you don't even log in, because remember they run through kickoff um, up until kickoff. Don't even log in until like the last minute and then use the injury news, you know, to draft the best team, the chalk, and then one off the script player who you think will be the best player. I play battle royals every personally. I love them. I had a friend who was a, you know, loved draft and was a degenerate drafty. Um, and I know that he is back in on underdog because we pretty much have a weekly call where um, I talk rankings with him. So that way he knows, you know, how do we need to target? So I'm starting to learn the game a little bit because then the strategy is a little different over there too. So, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's a great. It's, it's great amazing. That, it's amazing. They took out quarterbacks. Like I think that's incredible because picking from skill players when yeah. everyone is picking from skill players in the pool, it's so much harder. Definitely a different game for sure. Yeah. So, all right, so we're going to talk the rest of the uh, the slate. We have a ton of games. Um, I do have. We don't typically talk trends a lot. You know, we'll hear. I'll note them occasionally because I think that they're interesting and they're really for you as a listener to decide what you want to do with the trends. They're not typically actionable. Start to get into like some really old, small sample, you know, not relevant stuff. There's a pretty good trend that's live here. There's actually four instances where it'll come up this week. We have um, 62% unders, second matchup in the division. Um, we have four of those in the slates. So over a pretty big sample, we're looking at 197, 121, and four where the unders hit. Um, so just interesting to get your lean on those when those pop up. But, uh, you know, I think that that is a worthwhile trend to just consider when you're bouncing off you know, considering an under. I know we don't like to bet unders and game totals very often, unders and props or something we'll, I'm sure, talk about during the show. Game totals this year are hard. There's just so many outs on an under. You know, you typically you'll see games that you don't that are low totals. That's kind of, it's kind of baked into the number already. But, uh, you know, we'll tackle it. All right, we'll talk first about the game that was supposed to be on 
Thursday nights. Uh, is it even going to happen, or are we about to get? Is it going to get canceled, or what? I think uh, it would happen, honestly. Yeah, they relocated it. I don't know. I haven't heard any news in the last hour or so, but you know, it's going to be on Sunday at like one or twelve fifteen or something like that. You know, Very like it, it's it's hilarious. I shouldn't say this. It's hilarious though that Pelicero and Rapsheet come out and they'd be like, "Well, the NFL hasn't postponed games, so they're doing great with the protocols." They're they're hiding them. Of course, they're hiding. Them. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Totally. We've had no no positives on Sundays. But everyone yeah. and their brother gets positive Every, on Monday morning. Everyone knows that bleach <laughs> and game days are the only repellents for the virus. It's yeah. great. Very it's convenient, amazing. honestly. Yeah. I mean, that's what you were doing at the Silva Manor every weekend, just like downing bleach. You didn't get COVID. So downing bleach and Sundays can't get virus. So be around everyone. Yeah. It's good. Yep. <laughs> what a joke. Well, uh, you know, this one's obviously had a little bit of bounce back um, in the markets. This. I jumped in early and look aheads at Pittsburgh minus one and a half. I thought it would move to three. It steamed all the way up to like five and a half in the last 24 hours. Now we're seeing a little bit um, back on Baltimore side down to four in most spots. Um, obviously two clubs kind of trending in different directions since the last time they met Steelers are undefeated. So they've kind of only been, you know, trending in one direction all season anyway, but uh, Ravens have struggled. Their offense has been sputtering. Um, you know, over the last five weeks or so, offense is 23rd in EPA. Defense hasn't been great either. Pretty pedestrian in terms of what we expect from this defense. 17th in EPA over the rolling five weeks. 18th in EPA per drop back, which pairs well, obviously, for Pittsburgh. Kind of trending upward in their neutral script passing rates. Bad combination for Baltimore. But, Daigle, let me know what you think about this one. I'm so pissed. This game got removed from the main from the DFS slate because people were going to play Marquise Brown and he was going to have one catch the entire game. Like, uh, no one's seen like a plummeting of usage since the Ravens week seven by Mark Andrews, 24% target share since that time. Willie Sneed, 24% or 22% target share since the time. Brown, 14% target share since the time. And everyone's like, like Marquise Brown's a deep threat. Great. Not only does Willie Sneed lead in air yards over Brown since that time, but also Brown does have, don't get me wrong, he's one of eight receivers to have 20 targets, at least 20, 20 plus yards downfield. But PFF has charted him in that time with the lowest catchable ball rate among all receivers. You have to go down to A.J. Green, who has 17 targets, 20 plus yards downfield, to reach someone who's basically getting useless targets downfield. Like, Like Marquise Brown, he is clearly the most talented wide receiver among that group, but he's not being used properly in a inefficient passing game for 2020. So it's just an easy player to fade every single week, unfortunately, because I love him. But unfortunately, easy player to fade. And um, yeah, the, the backfield, I think it would be Gus Edwards, 20-plus touches, because Justice Hill only has 17 snaps and one touch all season long. That's my take on the offense. Yeah, people are going to play Justice Hill a bunch too to get super cute and contrarian on the slate because it was going to be took three all their games. money. Oh, you know. <laughs> and now you got people retroactively telling you about how awesome their plays would have been. And yeah, it's uh, DFS is uh, DFS Twitter is really a special place to be. But uh, Connor, <laughs> thoughts on this one? Are you interested in Pittsburgh at four? Did you get in at all, or um, are you back in the no. Ravens on this one? I know you've been a Ravens guy all year. <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Wouldn't even say all year. Yeah, I think I actually, like, that's not fair. That's true. Yeah. Uh, oh, I did. Oh, so I, have, I do have a Raven Super Bowl ticket. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I meant. That's my bad. Yeah. Um, but we did go like you know we did like bet the house on them against the Colts a few weeks ago. 
Um, and that worked out pretty well in our mm-hmm. favor. But uh, in this spot, I mean, I don't, I don't really know who's going to win. I, I think that, you know, if you kind of look at the metrics, like Baltimore by the metrics, just there's not good. Like if you like, if you kind of like forget about last season and just look at what they are now, uh, the last five weeks, Baltimore's defense 17th in EPA, their offense is 22nd. I mean, this is not a very good team. Like, I, I mean, that's just not someone that you're interested in betting on against the Steelers who have been playing, you know, extremely well pretty much all season. Um, I would say though, this, um, the, in this matchup, like, you know, Gus Edwards, great matchup, obviously in Pittsburgh's running defense, which is, you know, holistically looks good, but last five weeks, 23rd and rush EPA allowed. So I think that is a little bit of a weakness. And last time they matched up, Gus went 16 for 80, 87 Dobbins at 113 yards and Lamar Jackson at 65 as the Ravens went like run heavy. So I think that that is probably going to be, you know, like, I'll probably look at the props for that. I'll be really interested to see what that comes out as. Uh, I, I got pissed off when a friend of the show, Adam Levitan, tweeted that sick fish were going to play Gus Edwards on Thursday slate. For the record, Edwards has already started in place of Ingram one time this year against the Steelers and averaged 5.4 yards per carry on 16 touches. Like Edwards is better than the Steelers front seven. He's an elite running, pure running back. Can't catch the ball. Is not used to catch the ball, but it's still an amazing running back. So uh, I still like Edwards, like I talked about earlier. And then for the Steelers, like Connor was talking about, there's been a change in approach the past three games. Uh, 42, 45, and 45 pass attempts for Roethlisberger in the last three games. They don't even use James Connor. He's still the bell cow, but bell cows don't matter in fantasy football um, whenever they have 13 tiers per game, which is what he's done. <laughs> the, when it was what he's done the past two games. Instead, it's Roethlisberger who has averaged the – uh, quickest time from snap to throw uh, throughout the season because they drop him back, they don't want him to get injured, and they just dump the ball off, which is okay when you have Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster, and uh, Deontay Washington. Like, or Deontay Johnson, there you go. Um, <laughs> like they're they're going to dominate on shallow targets, and they're going to get upfield. So Rothsberger, the Steelers' offense, are still the elite play, in my opinion, over the Ravens' defense in this game who will be without Brandon Williams and Clayus Campbell because both are on the COVID list this week. Um, Those are big we, guys to be out, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, Noonan, what do you think about this? I think that this is actually a good question for you. So it's from uh, you know Drew Silva. If you had the option to tease Ravens plus 11 over 39, yeah. would you almost yeah. feel too good about it? Um, How many fucking oh. Silvas for one show? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no, and Drew's um, super sharp. Drew is a fantasy baseball uh, goat for sure. Uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, you know, getting through the key number. I mean, I, I like Pittsburgh for sure. Eleven's uh, a lot because um, yeah. obviously Pittsburgh's not without their flaws. And uh, you know, over thirty nine, I feel really good about in this game. So I would lean that. I I probably wouldn't just because I really like Pittsburgh to win. I probably wouldn't play it, but I get why someone uh, would want Ravens plus. I mean, if, if yeah, we're getting I like as a number. Yeah, I get it. I, I like it to be honest. I, I mean, I I think Raven. I think it's like a close game, like a three point game either way. So. Plus 11 over 39. I, I would feel really good about that. And, yeah. and to be clear, I'm on all the unders. It's probably in Vegas, like set like two and a half receptions, 60 yards on Deontay Washington under. <laughs> Just to be clear, all Deontay Washington unders bet the under on them. Yeah. yeah he's, Just to be clear. Holy shit. Juju uh, Claypool is also going to disappear. That was the first game of the pod, by the way. So we got to, got to everyone <laughs> we got to calm long. down. We got a long show to go. 
<laughs> oh man, I I do think that reasonably. So like, I mean, we saw Juju injure like his foot, like stepping on a flag, leaving. I think that if he were to miss time, like reasonably, like Claypool could see like you know ten to twelve ish targets in this one. Um, um I, I agree with you, but also uh, Juju Smith-Schuster was full practice on Wednesday. He's not going to was miss, he? So okay, yeah. Right, so let's, right. let's not even speculate. He's going to be in there. Yeah, and and, and it's like if anyone tells you who they know is the better receiver among that group. Or like usage based wise receiver, they're lying. Um, yeah, I, I, no I still idea. I still rank Deontay Johnson every week over Chase Claypool and then over Juju, but we really we genuinely don't know. There's I think only Drew Locke is has a lower completion percentage and quarterback rating uh, when pressured uh, over forty percent of the time like that. So you're just going to see a ton of bad Lamar, unfortunately. So you know, remember here the the, the main. Pillar takeaway here is unders on on Deontay Washington. So take those to the bank. All right, next we have uh, another fun one in the division. This kind of will fit our narrative around unders. Uh, Tennessee on the road against Indy. Uh, Indy at three and a half in most books. 51 is the total. This is a rematch from uh, week 10 Thursday night that we just saw a couple weeks ago. Indy went on the road here, dominated the Titans 34-17. Again, Considering the trend might be a little high, I expect this to close a little bit lower, maybe 49.5 or 50. In terms of sides, Titans seem to be the public team in a massive way right now. People are taking the points here. I've been warming up to the Colts' defense. I know we've talked about a lot, just really not having a good feel for them. It's just really hard to understand how good they were, to contextualize some of the metrics that were popping for them because they just didn't play anyone. But um, they've been playing better and better every week. Um, obviously, big news here, though, if they are without, and it looks like they are going to be without DeForest Buckner, he's been added to the reserve COVID list. Um, that is a massive impact for their defense. I think that addition has kind of been the anchor there for them this season. Uh, Daigle, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty high on the Titans offense, honestly. I, I talked a lot about it in depth on the Rotor Football podcast last week and that the Colts really hadn't been challenged to that point against Aaron Rodgers. And then they get challenged by Aaron Rodgers, who went for 300 yards and multiple touchdowns. So actually, I'm quite high on Tannehill with his play-action offense against a zone defense who literally cannot cover and does not have the talent to cover A.J. Brown whatsoever, who, remember, jammed seven targets, at least in every game, prior to two weeks ago when his box score, although it didn't have seven, seven targets, would have looked a lot better had he caught that 50-yard touchdown from Tannehill in prime time. So I, I actually like the Titans offense a lot in this game. I like his the Titans, Did you see I like the Titans a lot week? in this game. That A.J. Brown touchdown oh, yeah. last week? Yeah, hmm. but then we have to, if we try to rank them, then we have to go A.J. Brown, CeeDee Lamb, Adam Thielen, one-hander, or Mike Evans running over Jalen Ramsey. Like, there were, <laughs> there were a lot of good primetime touchdowns. Yeah, there were a lot of good. That C.D. Lamb one was insane. But, uh, I mean, Adam, dude, Adam Thielen, like, it was. Andrew was amazing. Yeah. No, but he does it every week, so that's why we forget about it. No, that's true. The uh, Colts running back situation is obviously very sketchy. They seem to really be doing a hot hand. We saw Jonathan Taylor kind of be a hot hand in the second half last week, leading the way. But, you know, Hines got the start. They split work early in that game, and we're coming off of a game where Hines dominated against the Tex- against the Titans. Connor, give me your thoughts here on the backfield situation, and then what are your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I mean, for me, the most important part of that game was that Jonathan Taylor actually looked good because before in the season, he looked like shit. Like, he just looked terrible. And so I thought that he actually looked good, which is, you know, important for this coaching staff, which wants to ride the hot hand, 
Um, and maybe it was just a one game sample. And, you know, obviously my opinion of who looks good or not doesn't matter, but they rode Jonathan Taylor throughout the game. So I think that that is notable, which, you know, in the past games, they give him that initial opportunity. He sucks. And then they just, you know, ride Wilkins, some combination of Wilkins, Hines, and then, you know, Taylor gets like two carries the rest of the game. Um, so I think that is worth noting. It's not something I'm betting on the player prop market unless they just po- post some like really ridiculous lines. Um, but I, I agree with Daigle here. I think that Tennessee team total here at like 24-ish on the over is interesting. Um, we're, we're seeing like 24 and a half at DraftKings. I think that that could probably fall into 24. Um, and I I think that the Colts defense is good, but I think that they're a little bit overrated. I mean, looking at who they've played um, and looking at the good offenses they played, they've allowed 32 points to Cleveland, 27 to Cincinnati, 24 to Baltimore, which is you know not even really that good of an offense based on how they've been playing. They did hold Tennessee to 17, but like we said, I mean, AJ Brown dropped that long touchdown. Um, and then, you know, they allowed 31 points to Green Bay. So I, I don't know if Tennessee wins. I think that it's going to be a close game either way, but I do think that, you know, Tennessee is very capable of scoring, you know, 24 more points in this one. And it's a Colts defense, which, um, I mean, I think they're good, but this, this Tennessee offense is a little bit better. So I think 23 and a half would be ideal. 24 is solid. It's a holiday weekend, so I don't know if I just mentioned this like five minutes ago, but I have drank two bottles of champagne. <laughs> and Aaron Rodgers, remember in the first half, practically put up 300 yards and three touchdowns on yeah. the Colts by himself last week, and yeah. then got shut down in the second half. So I'm still high on any offense that we know is respectable against the Colts secondary, although I do think they are above league average. I just think better quarterbacks can get the best of their zone scheme. We could all agree that you know Buckner about not being involved is is worth a little bit there too. I mean, he has kind of been spearheading that front seven, so that definitely works in Tennessee's favor for sure. Whether it's through the big dog or through you know less of a pass rush, and it just feels like Tennessee's team is built for a fast track too. We really don't talk about Corey Davis very often, but he consistently dominates. He's been really Showing good, up. and uh, feels like a good spot for him to to get some stuff going this week too. Are you feeling a player prop? From Corey Davis, because I don't have a, a take on it, but if you do, I'm listening. Um, what's our number? I haven't seen it. Um, no, I, I don't think there's anything out yet. Probably yeah. not. Yeah, but Let's make sure. I mean, they're usually around like. Um, I mean, he'll be he'll probably be in like the you know fifty, like forty, something like that. It, it's it's funny because I get a lot of start sit questions on Twitter that I'll ignore on Tuesday. That's my that's my brand, which is the best brand ever, by the way. You just ignore everyone on Tuesday and let them know you're ignoring them. Um, <laughs> but then answer on Thursday morning and Friday. Like I don't mind answering start sit questions, but like Corey Davis, uh, he's someone who never comes up despite oddly being involved in this offense. Because yeah. remember, this offense never fails. Someone always hits. <laughs> Like, we all get worried about the big dog, Derrick Henry, but if Derrick Henry doesn't hit, it's usually A.J. Uh, Brown or Corey Davis who has 100 yards or a touchdown. And as we've seen the past two weeks, at least, uh, Corey Davis has 13 targets. So, I mean, if you have a low prop, I'm not betting anything right now, but a low prop, I'm listening. I think Corey Davis is a guy that I would probably rather attack in DFS than in the prop market. Fair. A yes, no, because I, I feel like when he's good, like we can have – we were looking at 120 in the score in, in the range of outcomes. I, I'm listening, but I will also say that A.J. Brown also typically, unless it's a high-scoring affair, which this one is not except in our brains, but on like the slate, it's not. Um, right. A.J. Brown goes under-owned as well. So just play A.J. Brown and don't worry about Corey Davis whatsoever because A.J. Brown clearly still has the touchdown equity over Corey Davis. 
It's true. It's um, we we do have so we have Davis projected for five point four receptions and seventy receiving yards. So uh, I can I can will guarantee you that his player probably under seventy. Um, I I can guarantee that as well. Yeah. Um. So there will be some kind of value on the over. I'll probably look more into that. You know, in the next few days as, as the props start to drop. Don't don't highlight that last Silva comment. By the way, <laughs> I'm not, not touching that. I'm not touching Do that. Not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just he just popped when I uh, did my initial run of rankings this week. I looked at um, you know where I was in consensus with you know some of the others in the marketplace and saw myself pretty significantly higher than everyone in Corey Davis. And I was like, all right, well, we'll have to figure that out. I either did something wrong or uh, we need to take some Corey Davis action. To, it's to- I will say it's clearly a high score game than people think because like we all think Ty Hilton's the guy that's going to get them by. And that's not the case at all. T.Y. Hilton doesn't have 70 yards, has not scored a game, or has not scored a touchdown in any game this year yet, right? Like, uh, Michael Pittman has become millennial T.Y. Hilton and that he's good. Like, he's an explosive receiver with a 6A dot who turns his catches upfield. So Michael Pittman is the guy. I keep looking at player props just in case they are, like, vastly um, undergraded. They're not this week. I already looked at them just in case you want to double-check. But uh, Michael Pittman's like the best receiver on that team, and it's literally not even close. And for their running backs, you mentioned them earlier, um, it's been three weeks in a row now. Uh, Jordan Wilkins led in touches. The next week, Naheem Hines led in touches. The next week, Jonathan Taylor led in touches. I understand Jonathan Taylor had 26 touches this past game, vastly more than the other two running backs. But that's not enough for me to trust them thinking Jonathan Taylor is going to be like the big workload guy now. I need to see at least two more games, not one, two more games in order to actually trust Taylor as the workhorse above the others. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I had the, I had the Pittman thought in April and I somehow ended up with – You were on it, man. I, I was I, I was actually down on him in that offense with Phillip Rivers. I, I was not a high guy on Michael Pittman. I drafted him after the 10th round. Um, but as a talent, but I really wasn't high on this talent. If you read the Rotor World board, I'm the one who watched the film and wrote it. So, uh, Noonan, you were well ahead of that on me. Like, I had no idea. Yeah, I ended up with T.Y. Hilton in a high-stakes draft two months later. So I'm not <laughs> sure what happened. <laughs> sandbagged into that one. Yo, we are, our, our team is looking great, man. We're, we're headed into the championship rounds. You know, Is that the same team or is that the other one? No, that's the other one. There's yeah. a reason that one reason, <laughs> reason one of those teams sucked and the other one was good. So it's all right. That's fair. All right, moving on. We have Carolina I, in Minnesota. Um, not, not to deter from the show. I'm, no, gonna, I'm, I'm going to really quickly, though. I will say that Graham Harrell, uh, who, <laughs> who clearly coached Michael Pittman at USC, is from my same little town in Texas, Ennis, Texas. I will never be the most famous person from Ennis, Texas, because Graham Harrell is more important than me. <laughs> and I'm going to stay pissed off the rest of my life because of it. Now move on. That's all I want to say. <laughs> oh, I love it. You can totally derail the show. We're fine. Uh, Carolina, Minnesota. We talked about Minnesota a little bit earlier. Minnesota's favorite here. Four points at home. Pretty healthy total. About 50 and a half um, in most spots here. Still waiting on COVID news for the Vikings. Thielen in particular tested positive and then negative, which, you know, um, we'll run it back. I don't know if he has the Nick Saban test or not, but we'll find out what his status is here. Uh, Carolina, we're li- a little news there. Waiting on Bridgewater being confirmed and looks like he's trending that way. McCaffrey, we were teased a little bit with the practice. It looks like he's going to be out for this one. Um, look ahead to have this in Minnesota minus eight and a half last weekend, which is just was way too high. 
Should have grabbed it. I did not. Um, obviously, the loss to Dallas has moved it down. Where we're seeing it now, four, four and a half. Um, it's just a, a too much of a correction, perhaps. But uh, I don't know. It's really hard to back either these two teams with a ton of confidence. Uh, Minnesota's played a little bit better defensively lately, but they're still just – this is a bottom 10 defense, really on both sides. Uh, Carolina somehow managed to shut out another NFL football team last weekend despite their – ineptitude defensively Daigle. So thoughts on this one. Would you believe that against the Packers, Lions, Bears, and Cowboys, Kirk Cousins has averaged 9.8 yards per attempt over his last four games. That's a full month of proven efficiency, by the way. The fact is, though, like in the the waiver wire column on Roto-World, I can never list him as a top streamer. We can never list him as like a – a true strong DFS cheap option because we know what the Vikings game strip is going to be in that same time since Dalvin cook returned from injury. Uh, he has at least 32 touches in three or four games. The one outlier being when it was negative game script and they just let Alex Alexander Madison run wild. But even last week, I believe Madison only had one touch to cooks uh, touches and like, we know what they're going to do now. So Cousins is always good play, honestly. Props, honestly, good play. But they're also lottery because if it's a competitive game script, he probably won't be involved. If they happen to get behind, he'll be involved. And that's what we saw last week, right? Um, Two fumbles against the Cowboys in the first half, plus six penalties, which made them trail 6-17 to after the first half. I don't expect that to happen this game. All right, what are your thoughts here, uh, Connor? Were you thinking about this one? I mean, I I personally thought that um, PJ Walker like kind of looked good uh, mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, I mean, the two picks and were obviously really really bad, but for the large majority of the game, he looked pretty good. Um, I think the the only notable thing for me here is that I mean, Dalvin Cook is probably going to crush again. He's a favorite. He's at home. He's at against a below average run defense, you know, 20th in DVOA, 19th over the last few weeks, last five weeks in EPA. Um, like he's just playing out of his mind at this point. So the props on him are just like outrageous though. Like they're like what Derrick Henry was last year. Like they're being set at like over a hundred in some instances. Um, so they're, they're probably too high to touch, but you never know. Um, another notable thing here would be the, the target share for the Panthers. Um, with Walker last week. So Moore had 11 targets, Samuel had 10, Anderson had nine. Um, Moore had the most productive day by far, but all were involved. So I think it could be an interesting like buy low spot on Anderson in terms of overall like receptions potentially. Um, but we'll see what the, how the market reacts to that. Um, because, you know, Moore was clearly getting more of the looks and was connecting with Walker a little bit better. But, you know, Anderson still caught plenty of passes, had nine targets. Um, but we will see again, like what they, what they fold the pair player props out here. I don't really have too much of a take on the game. I think, you know, Carolina could certainly win outright, but, um, you know, Dalvin cook could also, you know, bust off two ADR touchdown runs against his Carolina run D. So maybe you can pull up here in time. I don't know, but like, I, I really think Adam Thielen, anytime touchdown props, if they're ever plus money are always good money. Like we've seen that they have no interest in doing anything else. They have three plays Inside the 10, either uncreatively, maybe a word I just made up, <laughs> run Dalvin Cook up the middle, throw Irv Smith a touchdown pass on like five routes per game, or get Adam Thielen in isolation and throw him the ball. And so like, even if it's like plus money because people don't think he's going to play, 
I always bet against the league making smart decisions. I really think they're going to let Thielen play because, you know, it's been five plus days. He's going to be healthy, quote unquote, by the time that Sunday comes. So I'm interested in any time Thielen props if they are plus money. Yeah, he is the goal line back. And, really. and to, be, to be clear, to scythe on that more, 13 more red zone targets, 13 more end zone targets than Jefferson since week three. Just to be clear. Yeah. No, it's true. He is the uh, he's the red zone alpha for sure. Connie kind of outlined it too. Like, I'm interested in the Carolina passing game, but like props specifically are tough because we've just seen Samuel integrated more and more, whether it's backfield snaps or what. Like, they're just kind of generating touches for him and it's starting to eat into you know, Robbie in particular, at least a little bit, but uh, you know, they're all three for sure on the list. <laughs> I, it, it, it's just uh, like Robbie Anderson's like usage, but touchdown ratio is clearly extremely aggravating, right? Like that's all we're waiting for here. Uh, has he, has he scored since week one, by the way? I don't think he has, right? No, he hasn't scored since week one. That's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. He hasn't scored since week one. He's What's due. This? He's, but, he's new. <laughs> but but in that time, he's averaged eight point seven targets per game. That's that's like imagine that. Like if he doesn't score the next even three weeks, he's one of the guys who everyone's going to get tired of talking about on shows in the off season because touchdown regression is clearly coming. So you just kind of keep playing Robbie Anderson, knowing he's the better play over DJ Moore, but the touchdowns clearly are an issue. Robbie also in the buy low air yards model. So oh baby. That was, and by the way, that Balo Arrows model has like been hot the past three games. Print fast. Yeah. 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 It heats yeah. up around like six through 15. It yeah. Favorite risk. Yep. It is uh, worth the price of admission. All right. Next, this one's going to be fun. Chargers in Buffalo. Uh, five oh. and a half is the total. I'm sorry. Spread 53 and a half is the total. Weather in upstate New York looks promising this weekend, setting the stage obviously for two. Really fun quarterbacks, uh, Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. Prospects of Austin Eckler returning certainly help the Chargers here as well. I think really that running back room has really been anything but stable, although you know, we've seen a little bit of Kalen Balazs of late. Um, each club's defense middling at best. Both clubs have been strong offensively, which is, I think, why we've seen the total rise up, which is why we're interested in that as well still and got in a little bit earlier in the week. Um, both Bills and Chargers ranking top seven in EPA over the past five weeks. Uh, bets and handles so far pretty split so connor let you kick it off thoughts on this one yeah i mean so uh the chargers team total over 23 and a half is probably my biggest play of the slate and probably my biggest play of, like the last few weeks to be honest um the chargers have scored 23 and a half points in six of the chargers last seven games they're averaging 31 points per game with herbert starting um and then uh buffalo has allowed uh, 20, more than 23 points in six of eight non-jets games and then the other two was 21 against the pats and uh, which they should have scored or had a field goal at the end or something. Uh, and then the other was the Raiders where they scored exactly 23 points. And then if you dig a little bit deeper, this Buffalo Bills team. Um, so on the year, they rank 18th in passing success rate allowed. Exclude the two Jets games. Buffalo defense's passing success rate drops all the way to 27th. Um, I don't think this is a, a very good defense. They're also dead last in rushing success rate allowed and rushing EPA over the last five weeks. 23rd in pressure rate. I mean, the thing is, too, is that even if Anthony Lynn decides to be a total donkey and just get back to the running game and, like, you know, jam jam the ball in, like, they're still going to move the ball fairly well just because Buffalo can't defend the run. So I think that, like, it helps set the floor high. And, like, this Chargers team, Herbert has been playing so well. 
Um, I, I mean, I also like the over here. I, I points bet the over on this game. Buffalo should score 30 or more pretty easily. And the Chargers have now allowed 27 or more points in each of their last seven games, including against the Jets, which I know that, you know, the NAD syndicate was very, very much on, you know, last week. We were all over the uh, and Jets they over. It. it wasn't even oh, close. Yeah. They annihilated the, it. 43 and a half. Like, crushed imagine. It. In yeah. 2020, imagine. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was, that was, that was beautiful. But yeah, I mean, that's, I points bet the over in the game. I hit the, the Chargers team total 23 and a half. I mean, I'm like all in on this over here. Um, I just want to add to Connor here. The last seven games, he already cited it, but on average, 30.8 points per game allowed to opposing offenses by this supposedly good Chargers defense. I believe they're good, but the fact is they're injured. And even this past game with Joey Bosa healthy, 28 points to the Jets. Uh, we've seen, remember, the past two games before their bye for the Bills, Josh Allen had 87 pass attempts to 22 running back carries. They literally ditched it all together and said, screw it, let's do what we do best and put the offense on Josh Allen's shoulders for better or worse. I think we see that again again here. Um, if you want to talk player props, I'll let you look this up while I'm citing these stats, but quickly – uh, Stephon Diggs has averaged four more targets per game and the two games per year that John Brown has missed this season, nine and a half to 13 and a half targets per game. And John Brown has not practiced as of Wednesday. I don't think he'll play. It. I, I could be wrong. I don't think he'll play though. So I think that's very interesting. Also, Cole Beasley, 49th in fantasy points per game among wideers to 15th in wide in fantasy points per game among wide receivers without John Brown for two games. So a vast increase as well. So for DFS, the stacking becomes pretty obvious here. Diggs, Beasley double stack with Josh Allen and one of the best matchups to date. And then, of course, for the other side, Jadavius White has only ran to the slot for 13 snaps all year long. He's not going to be on Keenan Allen whatsoever. And we've seen Keenan Allen at double-digit targets in every game Outside in every full game, I should say, that he didn't leave injured outside of the one matchup against the Dolphins. So uh, it's very, very obvious what's going to happen in this game. That's why you should love it across the board. I think you probably agree too. Like with the way that Keenan Allen is playing, the way that he's getting the first look all the time, like Jadavius White is just not a guy that I would even want to, I would be not be backing off of Keenan Allen in any situation in a game that we're expecting to be in the mid fifties. Like he just, he's such a beast right now. He is, uh, he's really tough to, to stop. I mean, the, the John Brown stuff impacts, I think a little bit, my opinion of the game total. Like I think he made a pretty good case for the secondary pieces for Buffalo, but I just think there's a different level of ceiling for that offense. When Brown is in there, Like the ancillary pieces can be ancillary when they have to be the guys, when you need a Gabe Davis to really step up, when you need a little bit more from Cole Beasley, that, worries me a little bit but again i just think this is gonna be back and forth because you mentioned i think the chargers defense is is overrated and we know that the bills defense is is not good so my my only concern honestly is that i don't know what's going on with anthony lynn that's why i I didn't stack him in dfs last week although we all had the over the nad syndicate had the over right with silva um and the winning tournament stacks in DraftKings were justin herbert double stack pretty obvious to be honest but i was worried and that's because someone's speaking in his ear. I don't know who's talking to him, maybe Warren Sharp. But either way, uh, two weeks ago, the sixth lowest pass play rate in neutral game script. Last week, the highest in all the league 
pass play rate neutral game script. So who is telling Anthony Lynn to attack how he does so every single week? And who is talking to him this week? That's my only concern. I think it's a very volatile notion to like assume the Chargers offense is going to stack 35 points. Although if they let Justin Herbert do so, he can cook better than Russell Wilson. Justin Herbert is goddamn incredible. And by the way, if there are any, like, if you're a shady book out there, you're betting, if they have a loose rookie of the year ticket for Justin Herbert, he's clearly, unequivocally, the rookie of the year. So just like whatever your savings are, put that on it, and then he's going to get it, put it back in the savings. It's very easy. Uh, Silva has an answer for you. He said it's it's not Herbert. It's a bear checking out of Lynn's shit play calls. So uh, there you go. <laughs> oh, like his French brother? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it it, yeah. Justin A. Bear. Oh, hey, well, bear. Justin A. Bear. God, yeah. I wish I would have known that. Him and him and uh 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 oh my God, what's the guy? Deontay Washington kind of. are gonna meet in France. We're gonna have coffee together. We're gonna write articles. It's gonna be great. Oh, it's so it's so good. Um, Sills also also likes the running backs here. Um, you know, Balage and, and Moss as leverage plays in DFS. He's that joking makes- about that, right? So, to, to, <laughs> not to dump on my roommate, but uh, like Balage was out of Wednesday's practice, whereas Austin Eckler returned to Wednesday's practice. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like the the Eckler stuff is is definitely so. I, I would not play Eckler this week, maybe in DFS, but in season long, I would not. I think it's a low end RB two. Um, we've seen it's been the wiser move on this new improved 2020 three-week injury reserve to fade the guy coming off injury reserve for one week and then play them the next week. I think that's the case with Austin Eckler. Do you see Eckler though? Do you see him? He's like hitting the squats. Like that dude's in it. He's ready dude, to you go. See, you see Anthony Lynn? He loves Caitlin Blodge. It doesn't matter yeah. if he gets one yard per <laughs> touch. He loves Caitlin Blodge. So for, t- for one week, I – am prioritizing Eckler lower. The next week, though, I'm all in on Eckler. You're trading for Eckler right now, by the way, if your trade deadline is still open. Yeah, no massive ad for sure. That makes that makes a lot of sense. There you go. All right, next we have uh, <laughs> the Browns on the road against Jacksonville. Um, this one came off the board today. It's basically been sitting at 6.5 for most of the week, around a 49 total. Browns had to shut down their facility, all the COVID tra- tracing issues. Um, who knows what's going to happen there? They're obviously dealing with a ton of injuries. Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, um, Taki Taki, a linebacker. They're dealing with all sorts of stuff. Uh, Jacksonville, too, question marks. It looks like we had a DJ Shark um, mispractice today. I'm not sure if that's just kind of a rest thing. He popped up with a rib injury, and um, you know that's interesting. I don't know what's going to happen. It looks like Jake Luton was not the answer at quarterback. Uh, Jacksonville, 31st in EPA per drop back with him under center. Um, only the Bears preventing them from being the uh, bottom rung team there. Now, old Bears, Stallworth, Mike Glennon at the helm this week in place of Luton. Um, what do we think here, guys? I mean, off the board, we'll pretend it's going to be six and a half and 49. Uh, um, Connor, go ahead, John. Yeah, let me start. Uh, I always try to <laughs> vividly remember what is the best memories of the Silva Daigle basement. <laughs> and um, I think it's, we used the word bum the most. Like we always like watched football games and said, that guy's a bum all the time. And the fact is like the fact Jaguars are starting Mike Glennon, they're all bums. Like this is crazy. Like this game should not even be discussed. Let's don't even play it out. Uh, let, <laughs> let, the, let the Browns win 46 to 10. Let Baker Mayfield throw for 101 yards. That's what he does every game. Yep. And then, like, we move on to the next week. This is crazy. 
Um, so again, Baker Mayfield has played five games with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb fully healthy this year. And he's thrown 23 or fewer pass attempts in, in four or five of those games. They don't want to throw. They're going to run the ball. So for DFS, Kareem Hunt is very cheap. 5,900, I believe, on draft 56. Yep. Oh, baby. Okay. Yep. $300 cheaper. Put it yep, in my pocket. cheap. $300 cheaper than 5,900. Start Kareem Hunt because he has, he has more carries inside the 10-yard line in the past two games since Nick Chubb returned anyhow. So we know what they want to do. They want to run the ball. We know Mike Glenn is going to be bad, whether DJ Shark starts or not. It's very simple. Like, I know Miles Garrett and perhaps Denzel Ward are out. It doesn't matter against Mike Glenn. And stop overthinking this stuff. Like, these teams are making bad decisions, and it's okay to admit they are doing, like, very poor at their jobs and should probably get fired for it, honestly. So move on to the next one. The Browns are going to fucking roll. I'm sorry. Uh, the Browns are going to roll them. They're going to roll them. I mean, you can you can cuss on here. It's all right. Yeah. They're going to roll them. I think. I, I, think. I don't like, know. I got to go. We got to check over our, our four for four contracts again. But uh, I don't care about the cussing. Like, the Browns are going <laughs> to roll the Jaguars. Yeah, man. Without, without C.J. Henderson, Sidney Jones, most likely, by the way, too. So, like, it, it's over. It's done. Yeah, Josh Allen. Yeah, they're – Josh on IR, yes. Yeah, they're in trouble for sure. Yeah, I would just hopefully for the Browns it doesn't rain. Like they deserve a little bit of a sunlight game. Um, It's just been hard to kind of cap them based on game scripts and all the things that they had to deal with the last four monsoons that they seem to have played in. So, uh, yeah, off the board, but I agree. I mean, no need to go too long. I am not bitter at all that uh, Devin Zingbo caught three balls on four snaps in the fourth quarter last week. I bet James Robinson's over three and a half receptions. So Zigbo basically playing his first four snaps of the season and catching three balls on those was uh, all, all on the last possession, by the way, in garbage yeah. time. Awesome. Literally the last drive, it didn't matter whatsoever. They could have sent it to the moon. Zigbo came in and he got all the touches. So don't worry about him whatsoever. Yeah. Process was right. Uh, you may have to look at that one again this week with all the injuries going on there for sure. All right, so the next one, uh, Giants on the road against the Bengals. Giants oh. of all teams, five, uh, steaming the six, five-and-a-half-point favorites, 43, 42.5 out there as well. Obviously devastating Burrow news for the Bengals. Trickle-down effect obviously going to impact both sides of the ball for Cincinnati. We saw Ryan Finley come in, uh, replace Burrow. Bengals, though, I guess smartly, I don't know. They know what they have in Finley, and they decide they want to roll out former Bronco stalwart Brandon Allen. This week, uh, we might be looking at third and fourth string running backs as well. Geo trending the wrong direction. He missed Wednesday's practice due to a concussion. So, um, Daigle, kick us off here. What are your thoughts? Why was he acting as the number two quarterback all year long if he sucks? (laughs) Like, football is not hard. I I know we always say, like, Oh, well, like they know more than us. They don't know more than us. They clearly, <laughs> suck. They clearly suck at their decisions in life. Like, Finley is bad at football. They had him active as the backup quarterback, and then they didn't start him. I could have told you to bench him and like make him in the practice squad last year. This is not hard, guys. Brandon Allen completed 46% of his passes and three starts to the Broncos last year. Brandon Allen is not good. This is easy. Play Wayne Gallman. The Giants aren't good either, but at least what we know they do is they play good defense and they get pressure on the passer. And Brandon Allen, poor under pressure. Brandon Allen, just a bad football player to begin with. Wayne Gallman, that's all I care about. That's it. 
Yeah, and we've seen Daniel Jones be a little bit more of a willing runner of late too, which is if he wants to, he'll have success. I mean, you mentioned the Bengals have been just awful. They worst adjusted line yards in the league, uh, highest rate of explosive runs. So, I mean, Gallman really has emerged a little bit since uh, you know Connor's boy Freeman went down. It's been uh, they actually won two straight. I mean, it's been they come they're coming off a bye, but they won two in a row against pathetic NFC East teams for sure. Yeah. But you know they won, so not not to cut Connor off, but like to be fair, like I love I love the media mentality that oh the Giants are buying into Joe Judge's laps, <laughs> like they're gonna run more laps for Joe Judge. They've only beat dead ass NFC East teams, like they're still the worst team. Like they're so bad, like it doesn't matter at all what they're doing right now. Um. To Connor's point, Devontae Freeman was getting over 70% of the running back touches before he got injured. what's up? But the fact is, Devontae Freeman injured, put on IR, and now we saw before the bye, Gallman got a season-high 19 touches. He's the benefactor of Brandon Allen playing, and that's where Connor can now take over. (laughs) Connor just couldn't draft a a season-long or a best ball team this year without leaving with – you know, 19th round Devontae Freeman, which is fine. It worked out for him. He got a couple of I, games out of it. He got three so games, all, yeah, for sure. It's all worked out. Hey, yeah. yeah. I mean, that that and Antonio Brown were my two guys that I was like, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna draft both of them in season-long leagues, like especially these high-stakes leagues. Now, you know, Antonio Brown is a lock to, to starting in, you know, most lineups, especially in those formats. Devontae Freeman, you know, he was a little too dusty. But it also banked on the Giants being at least somewhat competent on offense. Like, team sucks. Like, they're on offense, they're awful. Um, but most of your times drafting him, he didn't even have a home yet. So yeah, yeah exactly. So, I mean, I was hoping for something better than the Giants. Yeah, sure. but, um, you know, he wound up finding a starting role like we thought and, you know, he got injured, but whatever, uh, in this game. Okay. So the Cincinnati team total is like at 17 and a half here. I don't really know if they're going to get to 17 points. I mean, Giants are 10th in pressure rate. Their defense has actually been okay. Um, and like, this, this Bengals offensive line was not good. Like Burrow was scrambling for his life most plays and was still taking hits like no other. Um, like Brandon Allen, like we said, is not good. Like I, I just don't think really he has the ability to, you know, be able to get out of the jams that the Bengals offensive line is going to put him into. I know he has the weapons with T. Higgins and uh, Tyler Boyd, but you know we'll probably see Bradbury on on one of them. Uh, most likely Higgins is what I would assume. Um, like after Finley went in last week, he had. You know, they had the Bengals offense had 25 yards of total offense. Um, so I don't know. I, I think I'm out on this team. I, I would probably lean towards the under on uh, <laughs> lean towards the under on the Bengals team total here. And, you know, as Evan Silva says here, Brandon Allen cannot grip a pro size football with his eight and a quarter inch hands. So, right. you know, I'm, I'm riding that. I'm, I'm never going to correct the goat, but also like a, it's not really a correction, but uh Silva, look up Kevin Davidson, who got drafted this year. His hand size. He came into the league with the smallest hands in like the last 20 years. And like he's ready to go. I think he plays all he's on a practice squad somewhere. So we're all waiting for Kevin Davidson hand size. That's actually what everyone tuned in for as well. Um, yeah, hand size very, Twitter is the best, man. That's very my quickly, favorite part of the time of year. Burrow was under pressure at the league's 35th highest rate all this year. The fact is, though, we know Burrow can scramble and at least create plays, although he's been poor under pressure this year, he can at least hopefully create plays, whereas uh, Ryan Finley and uh, Brandon Allen do not have a chance in hell. So it's the Giants by a landslide here. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's hard to back and lay points on the road with the Giants just if you're looking, you know, 10,000-foot view. Yeah. But um, 
as Evan mentioned, you know, Allen throws the ball with both hands. That's hard to do <laughs> 35 times in a game successfully. So also y'all are not on uh Darius Slayton props, correct? Because this target share has dipped substantially the last month with Sterling Shepard back. Sterling Shepard makes a ton of sense from a reception prop standpoint. If you can get correct four and a half, or I'm guessing probably five and a half is where it's it's probably oh, four and a half would be money. That'd be sex. It'd be yeah, it'd be sweet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, move man. on to the next one. Here we have the Dolphins on the road against the Jets. This is another one of those in the division um, <laughs> rematches here. Miami um, seven in most spots. Forty four and a half is the total. Obviously, lackluster performance last week in Denver for the Dolphins. I'm just keeping this kind of below and right around a touchdown. Otherwise, I think we'd see it spiking a little bit. Um, home dogs in the division killing it this year as well. 14-4 and four against the number. Early public lean here on the Jets. Looks like Sam Darnold might be back. Um, practicing in limited fashion, which is encouraging. Also, the Dolphins, um, we have Christian Wilkins and Miles Gaskin set to return. Uh, they practiced on Wednesday, so at least trending in the right direction. Uh, Salvin Ahmed, who kind of had a little bit of a window there, he did miss practice on Wednesday with a shoulder injury. So you might have a changing of the guard there. Matt Burita was back last week too. The Tua Fitzpatrick stuff was really weird to me, I'm considering that Tua apparently wasn't injured, though he's dealing with an ankle and a Supposedly. Yeah. Supposedly. Who knows? But they're going back without blinking to him this week here. Um, so, Dagle, kick us off. What are your thoughts? I mean, if if assuming Tua is healthy – if there's one game he can bounce back in, it's clearly against the Jets, right? That's why all, all, the NAD syndicate was on the Chargers team total over because they were playing the Jets defense. And New York now is one of only five teams in the league allowing over eight yards per attempt through the air and have recorded the sixth fewest sacks on the season. Um, having said that, is Tua healthy? We genuinely don't know for sure. So we're waiting this one out. They have one playmaker and Devontae Parker. So, again, we don't know at all. Um, it's a sketchy situation, to be honest. Having said that, we also know the Jets are not going to put up points. They do one thing with Joe Flacco, who's going to start this week. They throw a 21 average depth of target to Brashad Perryman. They throw a 20 a dot to Denzel Mims. Or not, I'm sorry, not Denzel Mims. Um, uh, uh, who's the other guy? Yeah, it is Denzel Mims. <laughs> 20 You're talking about Mims. You're talking about Mims. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 21 a dot to Denzel Mims, and yet the Dolphins have Byron Jones and Xavier Howard who can cover those types of passes. So it is literally a nightmare situation for the Jets' offense. They are not going to move the ball whatsoever in this matchup. You think it's going to be Flacco? Is the, we're not going to have Darnold? He's practicing. You think it's just kind of? I, I don't think. I, don't, I personally, I could be wrong. I don't think it's going to be Flacco. Okay. I, I think the Jets lie about their injuries a whole lot. I think that'd be interesting though, because I think we see a pretty different, um, you know, way that they allocate receivers. I think we obviously see a more Crowder with Darnold for looking at props, and I think Flacco has been a little bit more DGAF style, you know, chucking it down the field. We're seeing more Perryman and Mims, so. I'd um, love to get Silva's take on this game. I know he has a lot to share. Unfortunately, we do not have a microphone for him. But, uh, yeah, not a lot of not a lot of takes here. No, uh, I, I, that's that's Connor. That's all I have. Like, that's literally all I have. Uh, Ahmed would be interesting in DFS if he played, but he DNP'd on Wednesday, so I don't even know if he's going to play. So. Oh, man. You guys covered it. I'm good. <laughs> all right, we have next Raiders. Don't, don't let Silva shove us, by the way. Like, if we have things to talk about, we can talk about I made them. it through. 
I mean, I, I, I think the Dolphins win, but I'm not like <laughs> Nothing to add, yeah. Yeah, Dolphins are going to win by a lot. But yeah. Okay, now we can move on. Uh, you can tease them. You can tease them for sure. Uh, Raiders on the road against the Falcons. We've got the Raiders three-point favorites here, 55 and a half, pretty healthy total. Uh, we have Raiders needing this one, I guess, to stay in the playoff hunt. They are, you know, at the bottom there with a lot of other teams. We're kind of getting to that point in the season. Um, hard to imagine a team that nearly beat Mahomes twice would, uh, wouldn't handle the Falcons with ease. Laying points on the road, though, for a defense this bad is kind of a stretch. Public obviously always loving the Raiders. We're seeing pretty massive early look there in the marketplace. Um, just this Raiders offense has been really good. Uh, fourth in EPA over the last five weeks. You know, we've seen a decent run stopping defense from the Falcons standpoint. You can gas them through the air pretty consistently. I think the big piece of this game and really impacts capping it is really just Julio Jones. Um, he did apparently get in a limited session on Wednesday, which is encouraging. Uh, they just are a totally different team if we don't have full Julio and full Ridley. Uh, from a DFS perspective or a prop standpoint, they're both very viable when the other isn't. But just as a team and being able to you know help drive you know over a team total or over a game total that's here in the mid-50s, I really want both of those guys there. Um, we knew that they were going to struggle last week against uh, the Saints running the ball. Matt Ryan was really never going to be able to get it going there through the air with a limited Julio. Now getting points at home against the generous Raiders team, they might be able to get things going. But uh, Dago, what are your leans here? My leans are on pouring champagne right now. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I have a lot of thoughts on this game. Is that I understand the models are popping with the quarterbacks and the offenses in this game. But again, as you stated, it doesn't matter if Julio Jones is absent. Uh, we've seen two games now without Julio Jones, and Ryan has thrown for under 280 yards and one touchdown and four picks, I believe. Um, also has only sustained Calvin Ridley, who has a 30% target share and 51% of the team's air yards in that span. Whereas Hayden Hurst had nine total yards in the two games that Calvin uh, that Julio Jones missed. Um, Zacchaeus had 44 yards, I believe, 43 maybe. And uh, who's the other one? Russell Gage had 40, uh, 54 yards. So you forget everyone else. The fact is the offense craters with that Julio Jones, but Calvin Ridley levitates. So you stick with that, and that's all you need to know. Everyone else is literally not playable, not bettable in this game whatsoever if Julio Jones is out. If Julio Jones plays, then we have a different story because the Raiders are still bottom five in pressure rate. Brian has been clearly um, next to leading the league in passing yards. Also, uh, top 11 quarterback in fantasy points per game with Julio Jones this year. So it's a totally different game if if Julio plays. Um, sorry, Connor, give me one more second, and then I'll pass it to you. Uh, the fact is, we've seen in games that are not competitive, Derek Carr, three games prior to the Chiefs, 24 pass attempts or fewer, whereas against the Chiefs, he threw for over 30 pass attempts. It, it matters if the other team is going to put their foot on the gas. And without Julio Jones, the Falcons would not put their foot on the gas, making also Derek Carr useful a useless player. So it literally all dictates around what Julio Jones does in this game. Totally agree. Yep, totally agree. It's um, it'll impact team totals. It'll, it'll mess up the whole thing. So definitely want to get in on this game at some piece at some points, but I, you know, definitely am not waiting. I'm going to wait. So I'm not going to get in any um, earlier. 
that's hard to cut you off, Noonan, but to Silva's point, who is yelling in the chat right now, um, <laughs> we, we've had two different things now, this era with the Falcons, is that with Dan Quinn, Julio Jones showed up for a Friday practice but was not healthy, and he still played. But with Raheem Morris the last time, remember, he was removed from the injury report on Friday despite not playing on Wednesday and Thursday, not practicing on Wednesday and Thursday, but was still 100% healthy and came in at his lower owner, lowest ownership on DFS tournaments to date. So Raheem Morris, that's the area we're trusting. So Silva, of course, is probably right. I mean, he was limited today. So Shut like, up, Silva. Stop commenting about that. It's not like he like, didn't do uh, – you know, Silva probably had more cardio in his boxing class today than – than Julio had out there today. So it's not like he had, you know, <laughs> if he went, I know his routine. He'd probably didn't go. <laughs> yeah. Just like a Saturday class, right? Uh, yes, we agree. Um, you know, yes. If if we have no Julio, yes, Calvin really no, overprofit for sure. Oh yeah. I think oh, that yeah. even with Julio, to be honest, I think that that's actually and that's a good probably play. fair too. Yeah. Um, because the the Julio presence will lower the Calvin Ridley props like a more palatable range. Like we saw last week, I think it was at like like 65, something like that, 70 yards. He went way over that. Um, and like you said, I mean, the biggest thing for me here is that, um, I mean, the Raiders just aren't going to get pressure on Matt Ryan. So you give Matt Ryan all day, like, I mean, Calvin Ridley is going to be able to smash. So I think that this is, I mean, all the receivers, like the passing game in general, I just really like that environment. So uh, I, I like the Ridley over props here, you know, probably either way. And we'll see what the number comes yeah. out at. Yeah. I mean, Ridley was the, with Julio this year, he's been the wide receiver 11 overall in fantasy. So like he sustains no matter what he levitates. So don't worry about it whatsoever. He's still a great play. Yeah. I would not have thought going into the season that we would have a Raiders offense ranked in the top five. And we have basically no Henry Ruggs. Um, the season low snaps last week, one I mean, target. Like it's just, it's depressing it's with all of the rookie receivers that we're seeing emerge and, and really ball out. It's like this kid's got a lot of talent. It's just it's surprising that they're not scheming him more effectively. John, John Gruden doesn't know how to use him. Like it's very clear. Like Nelson Aguilar has five red zone targets to Ruggs' one since he returned from injury, and four end zone targets to Ruggs' one since he returned from injury. Like they just don't know how to use him at all. Yeah. I mean, it, it's insane that they took him first. Like, think about it. You don't even need to, like, scheme up ways to use C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy or Justin Jefferson or T. Higgins or Brandon Ayuk. You just throw those motherfuckers out there, and they just, like, you know, they're good receivers. And What, like, what a fucking I mean, class, by the way. What a fucking Oh, yeah. Man. I mean, they're all just so crushing. Good. Yeah, exactly. We're, we knew they were all good, but just, like, to see them consistently popping. Um, everyone cites, like, Justin Jefferson leads the league in yards per route run. Like, who gives a fuck? They're all good. Like, maybe Jalen, <laughs> maybe Jalen Rager, if he plays with the Vikings, also leads the league. Jalen Rager, too, yeah. Like, like, don't even, like, don't separate them by yards per route run. Like, they're all amazing players. Ayuk has more rushes than Justin Jefferson. Maybe he's the better player. Like, we don't know. They're yeah. all so good, man. Pittman, yeah. Pittman as well, Noonan. Pitt, they're all so good, man. Yeah, they're next class good. is going to be great, too. So, you know, we're going to get kind of an influx, which is really nice, hopefully. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, tough for them to live up to this year's class for sure. And it's deep. I think the thing with this year's class is, you know, classes we just talked about fifteen guys. And clap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like the uh, the book, you know, if you got to the book, yeah, <laughs> it's like the book. It's the, the book. book. That's what you said. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. All right. Next, we have Arizona on the road traveling to the Northeast to take on the Patriots. Uh, Arizona two and a half point favorites. In New England, 49 and a half is the total. 
Patriots after basically losing last week or drawing dead in terms of a playoff berth. Um, very unfamiliar feeling for New Englanders over the past two decades. Cardinals do not wake their, make their way to Foxborough very often. I believe this is the first time they've ever been favored in New England. Uh, for using a rolling five-week window, I have the Cardinals offense against the Patriots defense as the biggest EPA mismatch on the slate here. Early in the market agrees. Very few betters are uh, laying the points with the Patriots here. Uh, they should be able to move the ball on the ground, though, against the Cardinals, um, though we're looking with, to play without Isaiah Wynn for New England. Um, he looks like he's likely to miss this game. Luckily, it wasn't more severe. He did get rolled up on last week, but kind of instrumental uh, piece for that run game. So, Dago, kick us off. What are your thoughts here? I apologize, Noonan, but the Patriots defense has been piss poor whenever they play quarterbacks awesome. who have an arm. Uh, Derek Carr, <laughs> Russ Wilson. We look at the past three weeks, Joe Flacco, who just throws, as we talked about earlier, 50-50 balls. Um, Deshaun Watson, like – they can't stop anyone they don't have a game plan for. Josh Allen, they had a game plan for. I understand that. They've played him now two years in a row. But like anyone else, they're one of the worst defenses in the league. They have allowed the most yards per attempt simply through the air. Yards per pass play through the air per sharp football's rich rebar. So Kyler Murray, if he's healthy, what do you think he's going to do? Like, they're going to attack them, and they won't be stopped. So I haven't looked at prop just yet, and my concern here is that Murray is not healthy because he did have the banged-up shoulder on Thursday night last week. He uh, has also been limited at practice. But if Murray's healthy, the Cardinals roll. Like, literally just dominate the Patriots. I completely agree. Uh, it's 10 days. Uh, okay. like, I thought you were going to fight me. Okay, I'm glad no, you agree here. totally agree. Um, they're just not – like, there's no speed. Uh, on the front seven, um, you know, the linebacking core is not fast enough to keep up with them. Um, I, you know, Stephon Gilmore is, I think, still terrific. I don't think he's going to be able to neutralize, you know, uh, Hopkins at all, but they still have enough to get it done. And I, I just think we have a healthy – I think Kyler's fine, basically, is, is the play, and he's going to be uh, just a problem for sure. Connor, any thoughts on this one? Uh, I mean, not too much beyond what you guys said. Uh, I, the only other thing that I would note is that um, – you know, we talked about this last week with New England um, running the ball against a bad run defense. Arizona in, is 27th in expect, uh, EPA versus the run the last five weeks. I mean, that's been New England's key. So if they can get it done, you know, like it's possible for them to win outright. But again, we said the same thing last week against Houston, and Houston just torched them through the air. So they weren't able to, you know, execute that running game when it started getting out of hand. Um, so, I mean, that's that's always the biggest issue. I think, I think Kyler Murray smashes here and you know, we have him as one of our, our top projected quarterbacks, you know, uh, on the week, which is, you know, nothing too bold, but uh, in a great matchup here, I, I don't see why not. He's, he should score like, you know, like 24, 25 points. I, st- I still prefer Brady and DFS. We'll, we'll get to that game eventually. But, uh, but yeah, like uh, if Kyler Murray comes under roster, like for sure, like Kyler Murray's obviously a smash play against a very bad defense that people don't realize has been that bad. I think Arizona's team total is one of my favorite plays here specifically. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I can get down on the two and a half for sure. But um, if the chance that New England shows up a little bit, I think this game blows over the total Our, in that instance. And and then we're getting, you know, Arizona under 27, I think is is really appealing. Are you still seeing three and a half or three? What are you seeing right now on a sports book? It looks like two and a half actually at DK right now. Yeah, two and a half across the board. Okay. I, I think, uh, yeah, Cardinals win outright for sure. 
But like, I think the Cardinals are like touchdown favorites. Like the card, dude, the Cardinals literally should dominate this game. Don't let last week's results like fool you into anything else. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not super confident in uh, our boys' take here. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> We've, We've gone we, to the well. We We've disagree the well recently. In don't work. text that one to the Sand Syndicate because we disagree there. Yeah, I think talk. I think Cardinals roll in this game. Yeah, I do too. I definitely, like I said, love Cardinals team total. One of my one of my favorite plays here for sure. Uh, all right, uh, Connor. Any specific thoughts on uh, on this one? Uh, no, I like that team total a lot though. Uh, Twenty five and a half right now in DK. Um, oh, I mean, that's that is a point and a half too low. So it, it I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit that mid show. All right, next we have the uh, another rematch. We have Niners on the road against the Rams. Rams uh, holding pretty steady in the market around uh, six and a half or seven, despite obviously a big win on uh, Monday night. Really impressive showing. These games are always interesting, though. We know we've seen these McVay-Shanahan contests um, even early in the year. Uh, this is one of those games where the Niners were depleted, Rams coming off a big win, and a pretty big upset early in the year. Um McVay special last week too, man. Like schemed up perfect game on both sides, getting the ball out of the hand of Jerry Goff early and often. Similar to the Colts defensively, I didn't really didn't know what to make of the Rams for the first few weeks. They were really feasting on NFC East opponents mostly, but what we've seen of late is really legit. Um, they have been the best defense in the league over the past five or six weeks, according to EPA. But like by a significant margin, almost double uh, the Steelers who are second. And, uh, yeah, getting it done both on the ground and through the air, getting really good play out of uh, their secondary. Been a pretty strong unit here. Looks like the Niners are getting a little healthy. Raheem uh, Mostert, Tevin Coleman, both likely back here. Uh, Daigle, thoughts? Uh, A lot of thoughts. Uh, Past three games, Jerry Goff, 49 attempts per game. Past two games, uh, 44 attempts per game. So pretty consistent, right? Like they're going to throw the ball and – the fact they don't have their left tackle anymore means that they, like last week or this past whatever day it is, Monday, uh, kept tight ends, Tyler Hibby and Joe Everett in more to pass block and then thus dumped off to Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, shallow, which gives them a higher floor in PPR leagues and on DraftKings where you get those points. So all of them safe, in my opinion. Also, um, Raheem Mostert, we've seen one game with him healthy, and I think he plays this game, by the way. And we've seen one game with healthy week one with Tevin Coleman, Jarrett McKinnon, and he had 19 of the team's 31 backfield touches. So there's not really a committee here. It's literally Mostert out-touching everyone by a wide margin, and the rest are just sprinkling in. Yeah. Um, this is going to be interesting, Connor. What are your thoughts? Any leans early? Not too much, honestly. I think this is a this is a tight game because I mean we did see the 49ers win, uh, and this also could be a kind of a letdown spot for the Rams here coming off you know a big win against um, the Tampa Bay. I mean it's yeah. I don't know. I, I I like the San Francisco in terms of a team of what we see. Like it doesn't really stack up against this Rams team in terms of especially defensively. But yeah, I don't know. I don't have too much courage to bet it either way. I would probably lean towards San Francisco, um, you know, at a touchdown. But I mean, I, I really, I really don't have too much here. It's just interesting that we have a big win like that. This is really what the lookouts had it at, and you know, they were four and a half point, five point dogs in that spot, and lookouts have held 
you know, we didn't, we don't have anything really on the Niners side. They're coming off a bye, so they didn't do anything in the court of public opinion to change our mind on really who they are heading into the bye and coming out of it. So, um, you know, book feels like it's set a pretty good number here. Again, with these interdivision games, they've been so close. You know, we've seen these spots be pretty, pretty tightly contested, regardless of uh, you know where the teams are coming into the week. So, um, I think the book is is probably right on that one. Uh. I agree with you. Um, having said that, like maybe people chase Cam Akers, but remember he played a backfield low in snaps, just 12 last week, and he ran five routes to Daryl Henderson's 18 and Malcolm Brown's 16 this past game. So like I know he caught a touchdown, but it was a fluke. Like uh, he still got the lowest usage among their backfield. So you don't want to go chasing him as well. It's clearly – even if like the of uh, uh Whitworth is out the, the rest of the season, it's clearly like they're gonna dump off to Woods and yeah. Cup, and then just that's it. That's gonna be their offense, which is fine because they're talented players. Uh, big games coming from uh, some of these Niners skill position players. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the the video is gonna differ from the pod this week. It's true. We have a lot of Silva comments coming up in the video, but people might not understand because we're laughing our asses off. And yeah, well, audience. I've been trying to read him out loud, but he basically just said Ayuk, Debo, and Moster combined for 500 yards for scrimmage. Yeah, woo! I, I mean, yeah. Most, everyone most, jamming uh, Beatheart in DFS. Like I told you, Mostert is uh, Mostert is definitely the cowbell, bell cow, whatever it is, cow. <laughs> the Will Ferrell cowbell in that game. Oh, I'm on a third bottle of champagne. Shit. Forgive me. He's still going. All right. Next, we have the Saints on the road against the Broncos. Saints, yeah, Saints, uh, five and a half point favorites here on the road. Forty-three and a half. Very exciting total. Perhaps Denver's altitude, though, is um, you know maybe one of the only true home field advantage components that we should be factoring in right now. Um, pretty much all we have working in their favor last week. Um, this is a massive mismatch on paper, even with Taysom Hill quarterback. So far, the Saints are the lean here in total bets, but the Broncos are seeing a higher rate of the handle. Saints defense has been outstanding of late. They have the biggest defense, first offensive grade of the week, using a five-week rolling average of EPA data. Really massive mismatch against this uh, you know Drew Locke-led team, if you want to say that. Um, last week, the Broncos were really able to lean on the run game. Uh, Miami's defense is much improved. We talked about it quickly earlier. Um, you're still able to run all over them. The Saints, you are not. It's still a top three rush defense. So if you do like the Broncos here, um, you're basically betting on Drew Locke in this spot. So, um, Daigle, thoughts on this game? I also want to get your idea on what we see from Kamara. Uh, usage last week, obviously, very different than what we've seen in the past, particularly in the passing game. Is this one-week variance, or do we think this is kind of a trend that's indicative of Taysom Hill and his skill set. I have so many thoughts. Uh, Taysom Hill, outside of living with Silva, is the most fun I've had all year. Um, <laughs> watching him rocket passes at the line of scrimmage to guys who we could have lobbed to was like so effing hilarious. Because <laughs> he clearly was a guy who was scrambling for his life and a career in the NFL, but didn't know what to do. Having said that, he looked amazing. Like I watch, we watch so many quarterbacks, right? We know what Mike Glenn is going to do on Sunday. We know what Brandon Allen is going to do on Sunday. We didn't know what Taysom Hill was going to do, but he looked great. 
compared to like his bad 54 yard throw, whatever. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders still undercut the cornerback and, and caught it. Like for all his flukes, he still had amazing, great plays. So I love Taysom Hill. Um, having said that, you already described it, Noonan. Uh, it's altitude. It's on the road for a 30 year old. His first career start on the road, let alone his second career start in general against the Broncos. We saw Vic Vangio scheme up an amazing pa- uh, plan against Tua. I don't think it can be the same thing against Taysom Hill because he ha- actually has legs, whereas Tua has just been getting by. But like Taysom, two carries in the first half last week against the Falcons that were not planned whatsoever. And then when they cut him loose and he looked more comfortable in the offense, eight carries in the second half, including two carries inside the 10 or three carries and two touchdowns. So I have more faith in this offense than others do. Um, having said that, just being an altitude, you're in your first career start. I am worried. So yeah, uh, I, I really don't know. Um, what's the line right now? What does it move to? It's six, six and a half in most spots. Oh, geez, yeah. Uh, so I, Oh my! Oh my God! The problem is, is like I said, they're gonna have, like they're not gonna be able to run. They were able to run last week against Miami. They're they're not gonna be able to do that. Like you had a decent game from Melvin Gordon last week, though his he saved he saved my day last weekend because the fourth quarter I bet the team total and I needed it in the parlay the parlay that hit I talked at the top of the show. He's dry, he's going in at the one fumbles. Miami recovers at the one and then never gives the ball back. Um, so I had them at. 20 and a half, they were at 20. He was falling into the end zone and fumbled. So that saved my ass. But they're going to have to run here. They, if they can't run here, yeah, they're in sure. trouble. And I just don't think they're going to be able to run. Yeah. I mean, they're like the, over the past five weeks, I think you, you said it Broncos O offense, 29th pass EPA, 24th run EPA. Like, I mean, this is just, they have no shot against the Saints defense, in my opinion. So, yeah. like, I mean, even if Taysom Hill is not as good, like, we could see a lower scoring game here. Like, but the issue is, I think the total kind of already takes that into account. Like, we're looking at like a, you know, 43 and a half, like 44 point total. Um, and so, yeah, I think for me here, what was notable was that, like, how often Taysom Hill looked towards Michael Thomas. Um, it was like over a 50% target share. 52% um, season I. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's basically looked like Taysom Hill just watched Drew Brees throw to Michael Thomas every single, you know, game and decided, you know what, this is exactly what I'm going to do. This is what I want to do because this guy is open pretty much every damn play. So, that, I mean, that's kind of what happened. And, like, he, he took care of it, and I think that that's probably what's going to happen going forward. It seemed like they showed a decent chemistry, and, you know, as much as Taysom Hill could have chemistry, it was solid. Uh, highlight Silva because the Saints defense the last four games has been incredible, literally. And I was the one bagging on them the past like two months, but like <laughs> the past four games, they've been literally outstanding. Um, also, uh, I forgot my point I was going to make, so go ahead, just, just do it. <laughs> no, I'll figure awesome. it out. They've been, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the last few games, they, so they let up three points to the Bucks. They let up 13 points to the 49ers, and they let up nine points to the Falcons. Um, I mean, the, the Bucks and the Falcons are definitely good offenses, and, and you know, the 49ers are, are definitely like not bad, you know, all things considered. So uh, I mean, that's pretty impressive. I, I want to be clear. Yeah, I forget. I remember now. Um, Kamara is 8,200 on DraftKings this week, and Dalvin Cook is 9,500. To be clear, I'm not out on Kamara's target share with the Saints offense just yet. 
one of the most talented players in the league. Um, for the first time all year, he was outsnapped and outtouched by Latavius Murray. I don't think that's the case at all. I think because the DMP on Wednesday and Thursday, he was scaled back, and thus he only ran 11 pass routes all game. That's not Kamara, dude. Like, Kamara at full strength is over 20 routes, and he's the most talented player in the league. So this week in particular, I'm going to be, and I said this on the DFS pick pick six show, not pick shit, pick six show (laughs) right before this. Like, I'm going to be overweight on the field in Kamara this week because, like, he's to the moon this week because everyone's scared of him now. But But all the stats, the target shares, it all lied. Like, he was just injured. It's fine. Let's go back one more week and let one of the best players in the league fucking explode, and we'll win money. No, I like the call for sure. I'm interested if we can get – if that total is moving a little bit, if we can get the Broncos, um, if they get into like the 20, 20 and a half range, taking that under will be definitely interesting. I'll be tracking that one this weekend for sure. I think that that's uh, – I just don't think they're going to have success. Like it's not even – you said the last three or four weeks. Like it's last five weeks they are – dominant against both the pass and the run. Like they're, they have no holes right now. So um, just don't trust Drew Locke. I mean, he's got weapons, but it is just not happening right there right now. He is, uh, he's just not the answer. All right. This next one's going to be fun. Kansas city against the Buccaneers down in Tampa. Um, looks like KC making their first of maybe two trips to Tampa this year. This is where the Super Bowl is held. Uh, Kansas city, three and a half point favorites on the road. Uh, 56 is the total I'm seeing in most spots. Um, incredible start to the season for the Bucs, uh, especially on the defensive side of the football. They've been obviously pretty pedestrian of late there as well. Um, defensively, 12th in EPA over the past five weeks, just 13th against the pass. Um, you need to be able to run on them a little bit too compared to what we were seeing earlier. Um, solid but not the undisputed top three unit that they were uh, for the first couple months. Now, obviously, bringing the GOATs, um, new GOATs against the old GOAT in this one, Dago. What are your thoughts? I have so many thoughts. Uh, this is my favorite game like of the entire week, especially for DFS. So to be clear, the Chiefs have had an offensive approach change the past three games. They basically want Mahomes to win MVP the last three games. They want to move the ball efficiently the last three games. The league's highest pass play rate overall, the league's highest pass play rate and neutral game strip the last three games, and most importantly, the league's highest pass play rate when having a lead the last three games. That's how they're going to tap this Bucks defense. And we should not be scared of the Bucks defense. We've now seen them allowed multiple touchdowns. Um, just look at those that span, the last five games. Derek Carr, 282 touchdowns. Daniel Jones, 252 touchdowns. Drew Brees, 224 touchdowns. Teddy Bridgewater injured mid-game, 132 touchdowns. And then Jared Goff last week on primetime, 372, three touchdowns. Like Patrick Mahomes with a game script they want to give him the ball is going to destroy the Bucks defense. So I love everyone. For defense, um, for DFS, I'm sorry. I, I prefer Brady because as we know, outside of primetime, Brady has been amazing, and maybe that's his bedtime narrative. I don't know. Maybe it probably isn't, but I think it's funny to like say he goes to bed at eight thirty p.m. Eastern. <laughs> Thus, he's been bad, averaging five point seven yards per attempt in primetime games. It probably isn't though. He's had some bad matchups, honestly. Rams, Bears, Saints twice, Giants, whatever in primetime games. Whatever the case, I like Brady. I like him to punch back in a double stack in DFS against the Chiefs defense. 
And of course, the sites, the stats I decided, I love the Chiefs to answer as well. So the over both team totals, and this should be the game we're all prioritized on over the Chargers and Bills this week because both Ooh. are going to explode. All right, I like it. Thoughts, Connor? Interesting. I, I don't know. I think I think the Bucks defense is a little bit more of a chance of you know at least trying to trying to do something in this one, but maybe not against Mahomes. Um, so I don't know. Seeing them hung under thirty, it's just so enticing, especially yeah. as they laid out with the recent trends where they've yeah. like, well, hey, we have Pat Mahomes. Maybe we should rely on him to win us football games, uh, and that tends to work out. Yeah, I mean, I mean, both sides are going to put up points. Uh, we've talked a lot about this Raiders team being like a really volatile team, but when you look at this a Bucks team, like they have just been all over the place. You know, lost to the Bears, were demolished by the Saints, lost to the Rams. Meanwhile, like you know, they just made the Packers look like a bottom five team, killed the Raiders, you know, cracked the Panthers pretty pretty easily twice. Um, it's it's I mean, just like all over the place. It seems like they're able to show up for some games, not for others. Um, do they show up for this game? I mean, they need to, otherwise they're going to get destroyed. Um, and I, I think they do, but for me, I don't really have too much of a take on the side or the total really. I'd probably lean over, but I mean, 56 is you know already a, a good bit here. Um, I would say that Antonio Brown will be an interesting play. He's been seeing a ton of targets. Like his target share is rising. He's like any like chain moving situation. It seems like they're going to Antonio Brown um, and he's, he's getting open at will. I know that he dropped like a, a longer pass and that some people are saying that he wasn't, isn't the same Antonio Brown, but it doesn't really matter if he's going to see that kind of volume and uh, he, he's still getting open, you know, pretty easily. So uh, I, I think I'll be looking into those props as well. And, you know, probably more towards the receptions than the yards because they do use them in like those like sh- really short areas, oftentimes like those quick outs and um, you know, short yardage areas. So I'll probably look into that for the prop market. I, I'm um, not going to, I'm not going to give it away, but I will say the uh, bucks blitz in the league's second highest rate. And Mahomes has been, Clearly, he's one of the best passers when reading the defense. The One of the best quarterbacks in the league against the Blitz. And you can see that if you go to our friend Evan Silva's matchups column. So just know that like whatever the Bucks, literally, whatever they throw at Mahomes, it doesn't matter whatsoever. He'll get it. So yeah. it's, it, it's a matter of if the Bucks can answer. And everything I cited earlier, I think they can. So I think this game whopping over the total. Oh, love it. Um, I, so we have a question here from a listener. Is Brady – well, not a question. He's saying Brady is washed. Um, no. Not a question. No. Literally, before the Rams game, he threw for 340 and three touchdowns. What do you want him to do? Like 340 and three touchdowns. He's not washed. Of course he's not. Calm yeah, down. I don't think he's washed. I'm it's, sorry. It's all I'm matchup sorry. based. It's, the NFL is all matchup based. Like the NFL, especially this time of the year, you have to step step back, look under the hood, be like, oh, they played like – Sam Darnold and Joe Flacco. So it doesn't matter at all. Close the hood and then observe the league. Like it doesn't matter. Tom Brady's been fucking amazing. And then like, we know he's going to be amazing in this matchup. That's why I love him in DFS this week. Those Island games are the worst. They're just laid out. I mean, really the Rams yeah, have been literally the worst. Yeah. I mean, people make um, such strong. And we said like the Rams came out of a buy on an Island game. And like they had a change in approach in their passing game. And like people don't understand, like beforehand, they were running at one of the league's highest rates. So, like, just calm down, step back, observe, and then make your assessment. It's not hard. Just it takes time, but it's not hard. All right. Uh, next game Bears on the road against the Packers. Packers, eight and a half point favorites here at oh Lambeau. My God. 
45 is the total. <laughs> Doesn't even matter for me who's at quarterback yep. for the Bears. Uh, anything under 10, I'm in. Um, Nick Foles limited due to a hip injury. Trubisky still working through shoulder injury. Maybe it's Tyler Bray season. Um, either way, the Bears' pass defense has come back down to earth a little bit, which was pretty predictable uh, given the lack of pass rush that we've seen from them all season long. You're starting to to wear thin. Obviously, Packers looking to bounce back after a tough one last week. Um, love Green Bay here. Dagle, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm going to try to do something. Can I overtake this? Is this yep. working? Yeah. <laughs> So uh, Chicago Green Bay, I have no notes right here because it doesn't matter <laughs> because both – like Chicago sucks. It doesn't matter at all. Like they're one okay. of the worst teams in the league. And now I'm going to stop sharing it, by the way. I, I'm sorry to overthrow your podcast. Uh, oh, the, the fact is Nick Foles sucks. Mitrovsky is back at practice. doesn't matter at all. It sounds like they're going to turn to Tyler Bray, who if you watch this past game, which I did with Silva in the basement, like when he came in and threw those four completions – to fans and the sidelines and basically pegged them in the head. Like <laughs> it was the most aggravating human being scream I've ever heard in my life. Like Taylor, Tyler Bray is worse than Nick Foles. This is very easily a Packers big win. Don't worry about anything else. Uh, the bears cannot compete whatsoever with the Packers. And I can't believe the bears are on prime time again. I cannot believe, I literally cannot believe it. Like they're one of the worst teams in the league. I can't believe this game is, you know, at less than 10 points. I, I no. That's why I jumped. And I thought the Packers sure are at home. To 10. Yeah. I think it does. Maybe if we get a Tyler Bray, I, I don't know why that shouldn't matter. Yeah. For people today. No, it point. will. It will. But I think it, it will. will right. For yeah. sure. So like you're still the eight and a half are hanging They're They're everywhere. So I think go get this. Yeah. Lovely, no, lovely teaser leg. If that's your thing too, we've laid out a few of those with, the Browns and the Dolphins and a few other spots for sure where you can get down to, you know, a nice one or a pick depending on the size of your teaser. But yeah, I mean, lots of confidence in Green Bay winning this game against uh, the Bears, who we've just been looking to pick on for sure. Uh, you know, Packers team total too. What are we looking at? 26, 26 and a half? Um, I don't know. Let me see. I mean, the Colts were highly respected last week and they just pasted them basically in the first half. Like, it was only special teams Colts in the second half that stopped the Packers. So. Yeah, 26 and a half. I mean, that seems yeah. light too. Hey, give me give me one second. I, I have to go to the bathroom again. I'll be right back. No, Just you're good. Scare the pod all about me. Yeah, 26 and a half. <laughs> you know, we talked about, you know, there's a few of those two that we've talked about that I think are pretty interesting with the uh, Chargers team total, depending on where you're at on the Bills side in that game. Same thing with the Cardinals. Like a few of these paired up. Uh, it's pretty interesting this week. So, yeah, um, I mean, Aaron Jones, maybe uh, the Bears are, you know, 20, I think, like bad against at def- defending explosive runs. Uh, and then also, like you mentioned, over the last five weeks, 19th in EPA allowed via the pass. Um, so and and we've we've started citing that more. Um, Noonan, you know, like put together a good sheet of expected points added, um, which is, you know, a it's probably a better metric than success rate, which is what we highlight a lot. Um, but, you know, I think that using all of them, explosive pass rate, explosive run rate, all in kind of conglomeration and DVOA are all important for, you know, different um, points that we're trying to make. But For sure. I think yeah. you can use all of them. It's one of those things where it's like if you kind of know what you're looking at. You can scan all of mm-hmm. it kind of collectively at once and get a good idea of the story yeah. through it. So um, Just I, I like, like – uh, just I like, like pressure EPA. rate. 
Yeah, no, for sure. Pressure rate versus, uh, yep, sack rate for sure. But I think the EPA thing, I like doing it in the smaller term too, even though it's such a small season anyway. So we're like limiting, you know, a 16-game schedule into a rolling five weeks. But at the same time, it helps give us a little bit more of what's happening now with the team, even though it could be, you know, related to opponents and stuff. We're getting a little bit more context of how their current form has been. And EPA kind of helps standardize those things versus looking at just like raw data. Yeah, you know, no, I, I totally agree. And I, I think that EPA is probably the future of, you know, most of our analytic research in terms of like what we've been, you know, looking at. But um, I don't know, it's, it's not quite as widely available or slash usable, I think, in in most cases. And there, there are a lot of people who use it well. It's just that we're trying to find actionable ways to use it. And it's not always the easiest way to like put forth all the time. So, well, um, I, I think it comes down to not to step out from the toilet, but uh, <laughs> uh, a, a lot of people don't know how to dumb it down. Like a lot of information, honestly, is humbling yourself, dumbing it down for others. Um, even if it means like shrinking yourself and thus spreading the information. And a lot of people don't know how to do that, man. Like a lot of people are so bad at, at passing information. Um, so that's what it's who, – who's going to be the person to break the barrier really is what's happening with EPA. Because we know EPA, um, DVOA, like we, we look at – we cite um, success rate. We cite all these stats. Exactly. But who, Who's really going to be the person to make everyone else understand these numbers? That's I mean, M- Mina Kimes is fighting the good fight. I know that she I totally, is. Like, you know, totally agree. She yeah. is out there citing EPA on ESPN, like live, you know, mainstream media, which is awesome. Um, but, you know, then you'll get a, a retort from some football guy saying, you know, some random bullshit that like just doesn't even make sense, like, you know, right after. So it's kind of like a mix of just like, well, what I watched on tape is, you know, Tom Brady's a winner. And that's what's going mean, to happen here, you know. Compared- football guy, who cares? So. Like, like just, just literally <laughs> sounds right in this instance. Mute, mute the mention, <laughs> mute the mentions of the guys that don't follow. Um, I thought Warren Sharp was going to be our hero, but then he sold out. So, like, fuck everybody. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was too far. I'm sorry. Right no, now. it's all right. He doesn't listen to the show, and I'm sure fucking none, none of his. No, NBC doesn't either. So I don't. It's care. all right. So it's just, it's fine. just us, buddy. It's just we're us. we're also an hour and fifty six minutes into the total show, so it's I longest show even, ever. Yeah, we're we're about to set a record here, I think, in a few minutes. But that's we just want to do with anyone but Hey, I only have that much champagne left, so let's right. do yeah. Well, we got it's our last game so we can dive into it oh what right. is it monday night football seahawks at eagles uh seahawks five point favorites here pretty healthy 50 and a half total um eagles are hoping that the seahawks defense continues to be the defibrillator to all dead offenses around the league uh, they'll need that but you know more to revive this current iteration of Carson Wentz. It's just been really bad. I, I don't even know what to make of it, especially the last couple of weeks as they've got a little bit healthy. They've had some guys returning. Now we're going to have Carson, or I'm sorry, uh, Zach Ertz back here this week. That you would think bode well as far as the Bible narrative, getting a little bit more confident. Um, and then on the other side, Chris Carson probably back for Seattle. So we've seen a little bit less of rust cooking as of late and a little bit more heavy on the ground despite having uh, no Carson there. So I'm interested to get your thoughts on this one. This actually has been a number that's come down. Uh, we have not seen many Seahawks totals trending down midweek at any point this season. Uh, so Dago, kick us off. It's got to be because Wentz has been just outright bad, right? So like bad. Terrible bad. Hey, uh, Wentz leads the league in fumbles, 
sacks taken and interceptions thrown on the entire year. I don't know when we when and if I should say if we see Jalen Hurts, but either way, Wentz has been that poor and that perhaps we should see him this year. Um, either way, uh, for player props, Travis Fulgham in the three games prior to the Eagles' bye, so three games ago now, um, we saw him have a 29% target share, but that was without Dallas Goddard and Jalen Rager. Now we have three games with Rager and Goddard, and Fulgham's target share has dipped to 22%. And in the meantime, this past game, Goddard played every snap, literally every snap, and Rager saw a higher target share than uh, Fulgham. So I think literally the the pecking order goes now for fantasy, Goddard, uh, Rager, and then Fulgham in that order personally. Uh, Connor, thoughts on this one? Um, my, I mean, my biggest take here was that, you know, Philly is – you know, has a pretty good rep in terms of defense, but over the last five weeks, they're just 15th in passing EPA allowed. You know, so they're in that kind of no man's land where I don't think it's really super actionable um, in terms of, you know, trying to f- maybe potentially fade the Seattle passing offense. Um, so I think that, you know, Seattle is probably just fine here. Like there's no reason to fade anyone in their passing game. So um, there's their team total sitting at 27 and a half. Um I don't know. I think that that's probably about right. I think they could very well score 27. They could very well score 28. Um, if you get it like at 27 or, you know, even 26 and a half, if the total keeps dropping, uh, I'd definitely be interested there. Yeah. I just don't have many thoughts here yet in the week. Just again, we've been trying to get ready for, you know, Thanksgiving slate and then you know, the rest of those games, especially a Monday night game that not oh, even yeah. on the main DFS slate has not really popped into my mind yet. I just have a hard time feeling really any conviction on either club laying five on the road with Seattle, the way they're playing right now is really tough and backing Philly in any sense is not anything that I feel very, very confident in. So, yeah, I mean, Seattle has allowed literally 600 more yards this year to opposing wide receivers, 400 more yards this year to opposing quarterbacks. Like they've been one of the worst defenses of all time this season, but as we know, Carson Wentz has been one of the worst quarterbacks of all time yeah. this year as well, and could be benched at any moment for Hurts. So it's just a it's a complicated spot. I will say, uh, J- uh, Miles Sanders' usage since he returned from injury has dipped. Uh, two weeks ago, I thought it was just like, oh, Boston Scott, Corey Clement got a few touches here and there, got a touchdown, which was the case. But since that time, like Clement and Scott are actually mixing in concertedly for touches, like Bernard, like Gio Bernard, honestly, uh, with Samaj P. Ryan. So it's something to worry about down the stretch. Although in fantasy football, honestly, if you're listening to this, running back two is a hellhole. So you're still starting Sanders, but it's it's like we're not betting on his player props over because the usage is not there this year. And we're going to have a active, at least annoying uh, Jordan Howard this week. I don't know that he's going to impact, yeah. but it sounds like he's going to be game day active, which is just you know the frustrating thing that we saw from Sanders' usage last year, especially early in the season. So, all right, fellas, uh, that was a, a marathon, but really, I'd do it again in a heartbeat. Um, oh yeah, 
Anchor Place. Uh, we listed a few that we really feel passionate about. We talked about a few while Daigle was briefly in the bathroom around team totals. You know, the Arizona, uh, the Chargers, the Packers team total. Those are all on the right side of key numbers right now and games that we're very interested in. Um, but Daigle, what's a, a play that you love this week? I know we talked about, you know, before the pod kicked off, you know, early, we were talking a little bit about Washington. If someone happens to be listening to this early in the morning, we love that on, on Thanksgiving. But what else do you love here? What is uh, Bucks Chiefs over at this time? Let me 50, 55 and a half on FanDuel, 56 everywhere else. I, I still think it's pretty low, honestly. Um, I think they erupt. Like, I think they just wreck each other, honestly. So I'll go over that. Um, we already bet, as we know, the NAD Syndicate. We bet Charters team total over this week already, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Right away. What yep. is the team? What is the team total right now? Still twenty three and a half. That's that's egregious. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. So yeah, we're all we're all on Chargers team total over twenty three and a half. Bet that heavily, and then um, Arizona team total twenty six. That's pretty. That's pretty offensive as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think yeah. those are all great. And a half. Like, Go ahead. I, I wish I, re- I really wish you knew more about Marie's shoulder injury, but assuming he's healthy, like he's going to, he's going to destroy that. Sorry, Newton. He's going to destroy that defense. Yes. Like, no, he is. There's, there's literally no chance they can stop him at all. No. no shot. Connor, I know you're big on the uh, Chargers one. Is there someone else that you'd love this week? Uh, I mean, that, that was by far the biggest. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, and that was pretty much it. I think I dig a walk, walk through most of them here. That, that'll be by far my biggest play. Points bet the game total over at like 53. I'm telling you, this game is a chance to be like, you know, 40 to 38. Um, and in which case you're cashing, you know, 20 times your money. So, um, you know, roll with it, do it. I, it will not let you down. I mean, worst case, you maybe lose, you know, four or five X your money, but I don't even think that shit's happening. So just to briefly walk through some of the other things, I think we were all pretty convicted in together, um, you know, in, leading Tennessee, taking the points in that game against the Colts. We all feel that the Browns should handle Jacksonville, with no issues off the board in most spots. But when that comes back up, it was hanging at six and a half. Uh, I think it probably still is around six and a half or seven. Feel pretty good about that one. Um, do not have much confidence in the Bengals doing anything against the Giants uh, same thing with the Jets against the Dolphins. So those are some other ones that I think we're all pretty much aligned on. All right, fellas. Yeah. Uh, Daigle, you're the man. Uh, we miss you already. Uh, tell the listeners, again, you've had a long day. Where, if they don't know, where they could find your stuff. Uh, at not J- at not Joe Daigle, <laughs> whatever. I don't drink three champagne bottles on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Rotorola Football Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, please because we are doing well and we hope to continue doing well and just do that. I don't care about anything else. Just do that. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine. In life. That's fine. Oh, absolutely. Love it. At not Jay Bagel. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> a lot today. of champagne here tonight. We're gonna be, we have a conference call after this, by the way, with Silva. So all right. All right. Oh all right. boy. All right. I got a podcast at it. I got a kid to tuck in, you know? <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll figure it oh, out. Oh, shit. All right, that wraps us up for the Thanksgiving Week 12 
preview. Again, thanks to Daigle for joining us. Uh, we weren't going to oh, bother yeah. anyone this week because you know it's a very busy week. But uh, Daigle, very generous, volunteered his time. Genuinely, is-, is my honor. Y'all are the best at what you do. Literally, the best at what you do. That's why I always promote your product. Um, I Appreciate love that. coming on with y'all. I, I'm so excited to hear this pod every single fucking week, whether I'm on it or not. Literally. Absolutely love it. So uh, thanks again to Daigle. Uh, We'll be back to do it all again next week for week 13. So for Daigle and Connor, I am Ryan. We will see you next week.